Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 320th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a flea flicker across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? I'm gearing up for a big, long road trip to Dalton, Georgia, the carpet capital of the world, to take on Christian Heritage. So that'll be a nice, fun uh, afternoon for me. So, um Getting ready for uh, week seven. It's already week seven of the high school season. That's crazy. That's pretty insane. Um, go Tigers. Uh, I, I can't do a good uh, – I don't do good impressions around these parts, so I will uh, not go, try go to Tigers. do – Go Tigers. Um, <laughs> go but we Tigers. can't get – uh, into it uh, or talk about the Tigers uh, without the third amigo in the second city, a man who is very glad he is not part of the crew of the 6,000 ship. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, and that is a very deep inside joke. Well, after the uh, horrific weekend that I experienced with my Iowa Hawkeyes, I was like, I need a winner. Who can I root for that's a winner? Chicago's Big Ten team, right? Northwestern, they just took down... Minnesota, they're on a winning streak, a one-game winning streak. I, I'm now all in, baby. I'm wow. aboard aboard the Northwestern Express. Let's go. And the Cubs train, apparently. <laughs> yeah, with that. Uh, that My Padres, mathematically still alive, unless the uh, Marlins win. Well, I and mean, our Braves are are kicking ass. Our Braves are kicking ass. Um, and if you want to wager on those Atlanta Braves, <laughs> there is only one place that you should be doing that, and it's BetOnline.ag, who also happens to be our presenting sponsor alongside MikeFarrellSports.com. But like we we're saying, if you want to go bet in the Braves, and you want to go bet in the Braves, like this is a college football podcast, but this is also uh, two very diehard Braves fans telling you to just bet on the Braves. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and uh, you wanted to go over and do that at betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at BetOnline. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Jess. If, if you if you did a prop on uh, Ronald Cunha, either home run or stolen base, forty times this year he hit a home run. Seventy times he swiped a base. Yep. So, yep. your your odds were pretty good. I like that. Uh, your odds also tend to be pretty good if you just for most things in the state of Georgia, or at least the dogs, the Braves. Man, well, no, no. If you bet against the spread with the dogs, your odds are great. I'm just, we haven't I'm, covered a spread all year. <laughs> well, I was just going money line here, Coach. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, money line, yeah. I mean, the, your dogs did not cover last week, but that was far from the most important thing that happened in week mm-hmm. four. Uh, we're going to go quick uh, around the room to talk about what our biggest takeaway 
uh, was from last weekend. Before we get into another exciting slate of games for week five, I'm going to start. And my one big takeaway from last weekend is that the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 is the best out of any conference in the country. The foursome of Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah are the best foursome at the top of any league in the country for my money. Um, they, if you want to go deeper than that, that's fine. Washington state, super athletic. They beat a Oregon state team who I know we all think is very, very good and very, very strong. Um, Colorado's already had their moments. UCLA still has a very good defense. If they have an inexperienced, uh, quarterback, they're going with Dante Moore at this point. doesn't matter. I still think that the best football and the best upper crust of teams, uh, is in the PAC 12. And you can also make a case that the best four quarterbacks this season all reside in the Pac-12. I will, you know, I will, I will grant you some Tyler Van Dyke, Riley Leonard, you know, Drake may have all been very good, but I think that when you watch Penix and Caleb Williams and Bonix and Shadur Sanders, even with the loss last weekend, you see four quarterbacks who are playing at an incredible level. And it's a damn shame that this conference is going away. Josh, what did you take away from last week? The pack two, baby. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think we all know where I'm heading. I did the hat bit at the beginning to uh, to have some humor. But uh, the Hawkeyes, I mean, just awful. Awful. First shutout since 2000. And, you know, I... Picked Penn State to win. I picked Penn State to cover the 14 and a half points. Um, did not expect to score a lot. But this was just, if this is not rock bottom, I, I don't I don't know what rock bottom could be. They had two first downs. The rock will give you the rock bottom. That's, yeah. that's what that'll be. The two first downs in the uh, first quarter. And then none until garbage time of the fourth. They had four first downs, one for nine on third, 76 total yards, 56 passing yards, 20 rushing yards on 17 carries. They had four penalties, the same as Penn State. That's very atypical for Iowa. Uh, They had four turnovers. They lost four fumbles, uh, with one being just a backbreaker on a punt early in the game when they had uh, a really good gutsy defensive stop and they set Penn state up for their first touchdown. Um, they had possession for just 14 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, Cade McNamara went five of 14 for 42 yards. He looked awful. And this is a guy who at Michigan could play. So I don't think it's on him. I don't think it's on Cade. It's on the coaching. And I know Iowa fans are, are quick you know, the ones that are Ferentz, uh, Ferentz fanatics are quick to say, hey, the offensive line isn't playing very well. The OC can scheme around that, right? No. That's possible. That's possible. Also, didn't For the OC instance, come from being an offensive line coach? And he did. He did. Uh, for instance, there are plenty of teams that – don't have very good offensive lines right now. For instance, I know it's weird doing an NFL team. Um, the Dolphins put up 70 points in a pro game, and people that really follow the NFL don't really have the Dolphins offensive line like in the top two or three. 
like, or even maybe the top five or 10, like it's a pretty mid-level offensive line and they are able to scheme around that and use motion and stuff. Um, so just completely inept, awful, awful, awful coaching. And the Ferentz family basically is doing a huge middle finger to Iowa and the fan base. Um, when asked about it, Kirk said that, quote, we're not going to create a new playbook. Is that what you're suggesting? I'm not a wholesale believer in changing things because you had one bad game. We were effing awful at defense or at offensive last year. We were one of the worst in the entire country. It's not one bad game. It's one bad season followed by one of the biggest. Sorry, Matt, you're going to have to edit that. Offensive performances in 30 years. <laughs> like, we haven't been shut out since 2000. This is absurd. Is that bad? This is completely, completely absurd. And then Ference was asked about how there's only been 35 catches by wide receivers in four games. And he's like, oh, well, you know, we want to get the wide receivers involved more. Yet, no sh- but your son lacks the ability to do it. And, you know, Iowa has their athletic director retired. Gary Bart is gone. There's an interim AD. She should have just fired Brian on Sunday. She's the interim AD. She's probably not going to get the job, but she would be the fan base's first choice for getting the job if she had fired him. And yeah, that's not the other thing, yeah, the other thing she could have done is told Brian or told Kirk your son or you. And if he wants to retire because of his son, that's his choice. Iowa did that way back in the seventies. We had a coach who was refusing to fire his defensive coordinator friend. The AD said, yeah, you do have the right to choose your staff. I have the right to choose you fired him. This is unacceptable. And what's, what's just insane is like, you know, Kirk's keeping him around thinking like he'll be get to be a part of the next regime. No, he ain't. He ain't going to become the next Iowa head football coach. And the next staff is just going to fire him the second they can. Um, Kirk is thinking like he's untouchable. Uh, no, he ain't. His little golden parachute of Gary Barta is retired. It's a new AD. Brian is ruining his own dad's legacy. And Kirk is hanging on to this completely moronic offensive coordinator just because he's his son. And I know that's really hard, but this is a multi-million dollar endeavor and we cannot score and we cannot gain first downs. It's kind of an issue and it's just insane. You've been listening to the Iowa Offensive Minute. (laughs) Presented by no one because no one wants to be associated with Iowa's offense. Did I run too long, Matt? Coach, what did you (laughs) learn in week four besides the fact that Iowa has another historically bad offense? How great would it be if Coach just teed off on Iowa and we had two back-to-back seconds? No, I I, I don't (laughs) think that's going to happen. Okay, so Iowa, no. (laughs) The problem Um, (laughs) with with, with the outside zone... <laughs> Problem with so the outside zone is a very good play, but when you call it over and over again out of predictable formations, 
it's not quite as effective. No. Okay. Um, what I learned, one thing I learned, I learned a lot this from, from this weekend. Uh, one thing I learned is that Florida state might be for real and Clemson definitely is not for real. Um, Dad told me that they're three plays away from being undefeated. Uh, well, yeah, three play. <laughs> so there was more than three plays in that Duke blowout. Just so you know, um, I got so excited I dropped an Allen wrench. So uh, Jordan Travis, man, they, they got off to a slow start. They didn't play – so they won in a hostile environment, didn't play their best without their left starting left tackle. And I I, I thought they looked as, as good as anybody in the country. I mean, I, I was very uh, – I was very impressed with what Florida State was able to do in a game that most of the time they probably would have lost, especially with the start they, they got off to. Uh, or the start that Clemson got off to, and and uh, usually that would have been uh, a Clemson blowout. But um, on the same, on, on the other side of that coin, also quick interjectory in Florida State, not. Oh, I want to get to that in a second. But Florida State not having kicker problems and Clemson having kicker problems this time. Yeah, that was yeah. well. They they had to call the dude off the street, man. He was getting he was going to start his job in New York City on mm-hmm. Monday, and and was, they said, hey, um, do you want to come kick? Yep. He's like, sure. I feel bad for that kid. Yeah, he should have just taken the job. Yeah. But uh, that's on on Dabo. That's poor plan. Two Knowles won all ACC honors. Uh, Kalen Deloche with a nice strip sack there in overtime to preserve the win uh, was ACC linebacker of the week. And Renardo Green was the co-defensive back uh, of the week for the ACC. I didn't realize that they had positional awards in the ACC. That's how they do's it, man. man that's that. how they do's it. I also learned that um, if you poke the if you poke Nick Saban, he will light you up. Just <laughs> just want to throw that out there. He, he, he will light you up. We so need to have a bigger conversation about Dabo. Yes, we do. So what's going on there? Like he, I think to me, I think is all that. NIL talk saying like, Hey, I'm going to quit if, you know, NIL becomes a thing or we don't use the transfer portal, those type of things. Like what, like that's driving recruits away. Like nobody wants to go there. They're starting to kind of see through him a little bit. Like some things are going South for him. And quickly. I, I think it's his staff turnover too. I mean, you look at some of the incredible, football minds that that have left obviously the biggest is Brian Venables and Oklahoma's looks pretty dang good here to start the season mm-hmm. so um and you know I know I know obviously his coaching tree is taking a hit with uh let's say what happened at Virginia and South Florida and whatnot uh but when they were a part of that staff they were undeniably a very very good staff yeah they they, they were good they were good together and, and maybe that's something that he's probably going to try to Get back together. Get the band back uh, together. If he can, yeah. Oh, yeah. To save his job, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, it's, he's not on the hot seat. Clemson. No, no, no. He's but not on the hot seat. Not. But I think that he he also puts extra pressure on himself because of the way that he carries himself, mm-hmm. um, and the religiosity and fervor with how he speaks and what he claims to be about. I don't think that 
I, I think it also makes him like because of that stubbornness as well, just makes him a pretty I don't say an easy target, but like mm-hmm. I mean he, he's a target, he's opening so himself up to that by um, you know, sort of behaving and, and being so public about it. I think that you know, Clemson's always been under Swinney pretty diligent, like with the offers they've put out as well. Uh yeah. in, in terms of like, you know, if you're in the recruiting weeds, you know that like a lot of times if a guy hasn't says, Oh, I got an offered by X. That doesn't mean that that's a committable offer. Right. That doesn't mean that like I can go say, Hey, today I'm going to sign with you. It's like, no, like we're interested in you. Like it's, we're giving you a rose here on, uh, you yeah. know, we're, we're, we want to keep you in contention. We might cut you later, but you know, <laughs> Clemson is yeah. one of the few schools though, that is going to be like, if we give you an offer, that means it's committable on the spot every time. Yeah. And so, and that is, you know, Wisconsin used to be like that under Chris, under Alvarez, under, you know, uh, under Bielema. And there are fewer and fewer schools that do that and handle recruiting that way. And in the portal era, like you have to be more nimble, you have to be more agile, and you have to cast a wider net. Yeah, so. or you're not going to catch anything. I mean, yep. it's, it's, it's. You know, with the transfer portal too, like you have to take advantage of the portal. Maybe not so much to overhaul your roster year uh, year in and year out, but like to fill some pieces where where maybe you miss in the high school recruiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't. And have he's to, just not doing that. You don't have to be Deion Sanders in Colorado, but you no. also would be negligent as a coach and not trying to improve your team as much as possible. He's the other end of the spectrum. Like you got Dion who just grabbed a new team out of the portal, and then you got. Uh, Dabo, who refuses to use the portal at all. And then in the middle, you've got Mike Norvell, who uses the portal to get really good impact players. Keon Coleman, Jared Verse, like guys who Mm -hmm. are studs. Sparty Sparty could use Keon. Who (laughs) fill in the gaps that, you know, they already have a good quarterback in Jordan Travis. They already have. Yeah, um, he had a pretty good game. You know, yeah, they already have Trey Benson, right? And so... Yeah. Florida State stacked, dude. Dude, they are stacked. They're really, really good. Um, in, in a year where there's no true number one team. And I know what you're going to say. Georgia's just yeah. there by default right now. Uh, I was, I was going to say, actually, what would Washington need to do to – because I think just eye test why Washington. They could, if, uh, who is, they if you well had to put could, a final – if you had to put four teams in the CFP today, who would be your four teams? Because I'll, I'll tell you who mine are. Like mine I'm are, say, I'm gonna say Georgia, Florida State, mm-hmm. uh, Alabama, and Ole Miss. No, uh, <laughs> Washington <laughs> and Michigan probably, or Penn State maybe. No, it's Penn State. It's absolutely Penn State for me. Um, in my in my seedings would probably like I would probably have Florida State one, Penn State two, Georgia three, Washington four. Um, just That's based fair. on what I've seen on the field this year. I still think Georgia has the most talent. I think everyone has, thinks that Georgia has the most talent. Georgia's got a lot of guys out right now. But, yeah, they're missing guys. So we, we don't really know what Georgia's like because we don't have all the pieces. I think Penn State's great. Like, I picked them, you know, I, I, I picked them as my – I finally took them this year and took the big swing and said they're going to win win the division. So I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. I love love the direction of that team. So Yeah, they're they, – I mean, Josh, who's your final four? Iowa, Northwestern, Rutgers. Definitely, yeah. No, I think think Georgia Georgia and Washington just, you know, 
Um, you know, Washington's passed the eye test completely so far. And They're physical. Georgia, yeah. And Georgia, I mean, and until we see something other than that, like, like got to have Georgia in there. To be the man, you got to um, beat the man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan has just been truly suffocating on defense right now. They are. Um, they're pretty, pretty loaded. And, um, I, I'm kind of curious about the, the big 12. I, I'm really excited for that Texas, Kansas game. Yep. Uh, I, I've seen bits and pieces of Texas so far, but, um, you know, my loyalty to David Beatty, I got to watch the yeah. whole Kansas game. Te- Texas came out, they came out the gate strong, man. They, they went to Tuscaloosa and won. So you got to give them credit where credit's due, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, let's move on to uh, what we are interested in, uh, what I have deemed, I guess, are the five biggest games for the weekend. Um, we will start uh, on Friday night. The weekend kicks off with a bang in Corvallis. The Beavers coming off of that tough loss to Washington State have no time to recuperate. Iowa, sorry, Iowa, Utah is coming into town. Yeah. It'd be easier if Iowa was coming into town, but Utah is coming into town. Um, this might be the most physical game of Slightly not only this team. week, but like the entire season. Both these teams are bullies. Josh, what do you think Oregon State needs to do to avoid going on a two-game skid? This is such a cop-out answer, but it, it's the thing that I feel most serious about, and that is just they ain't playing Cameron Ward. Yeah. Cam Ward had over 400 passing yards. Cam Ward, you know... It, if they were calling people to New York city right now, if they did a a four game Heisman, you have to have Cam Ward as a finalist. He's been phenomenal and just completely sliced and diced Oregon state, Utah's passing game. Not there right now. Cam rising. He he keeps being up in the air. We don't know when is he going to finally make his season debut Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, I think it's going to, I I heard it's going to wait another week. I I think he's still, still beat up. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's actually just, that simple it's addition by subtraction you're not having to take on cam ward yeah uh coach i think the one other thing i could you know i would add to that is that like they they limit the turnovers in this one and i really like their chances i feel like utah's defense like feasts like feasts like they had you know half the points they scored against ucla were defensive points um yeah you know on pick six first play of the game Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a, that's a tough Utah's for defense. Play. Utah's defense knows that they have to do everything for this team right now and literally score like, you know, pull an Iowa and have the defense scoring just as much as the offense, if not more, so that they have a chance to win. And I think that's tough to do every single week. And mm-hmm. I, speaking of, yeah, oh, go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, speaking about um, the Utah pick six, uh, they had one earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the UCLA one reminded me of this great stat. Do you know how many years in a row Utah has had at least one pick six on the season? Mm, I'm going to go 13. More. 27. 16. <laughs> Coach needs a little bit more, Matt. You need a little bit less. It's 20. 20. 23 years. Of the 20 pick six. years. Yeah, 20 years. I, as far as I know, that's the longest streak in the country. Wow. Dang. To have at least one pick six on a season. Interesting. Okay. That is a that is a very interesting stat that I did not know. Thank you, Josh. Um yeah. so coach, you got anything here on this one you want to add? 
No, I mean, I think you guys pretty much covered. I mean, Utah's defense is going to have to make up for backup quarterback, uh, the backup quarterback duo, I guess you should say, uh, for one more week and uh, hopefully get some things out of the run game and just kind of out physical Washington State and just kind of win an ugly one. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to uh, the ACC, quasi-ACC, I should say. Uh, the Golden Domers from Notre Dame in the marquee game of the week for the second week in a row. Uh, Coach, my question for you is, is it weird that I think that the Blue Devils offense will actually have more success than the Buckeyes did last week? I mean, Notre Dame only gave up 17 points, but I have like a strong feeling in my loins that Riley Leonard has a much better chance of succeeding <laughs> against Notre Dame than Kyle McCord did. Am I like completely out of my mind? No, you're not uh, because Duke, it's, it's a better operation uh, with what Duke's got going on because, you know, at Ohio state, they have a bunch of new pieces. Kyle McCord's a new starter. Uh, Ryan Day's still trying to get used to having him. The, the only real piece that they have is um, Marvin Harrison jr. So it's not ridiculous to think that a veteran-laden offense is going to have more success against a similar opponent. I mean, you know, Riley Leonard is probably at worst number three quarterback in the country behind Caleb Williams and Drake May. I mean, that, that dude is special, man. He's, just some of the things he can do, the, the, the things he adds in the run game, uh, just the decisions he makes – you know, when, when they, when they go tempo a little bit, like he really just kind of commands things out there. And he has a, he has a way better feel for the game than Kyle McCourt probably ever yeah. will. You know, plus a road game for Ohio state, you know, never, never easy going into touchdown Jesus there in South Bend. Yeah. Um, Especially at night. But yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at Duke's schedule versus Notre Dame schedule. And it's like, so Notre Dame obviously had the big game with Ohio state but Navy has not looked terribly good this year. Tennessee State down the FCS ranks. A road trip to NC State where, um, you know, Notre Dame pretty, played pretty well in that one. And then mm -hmm. Central Michigan. But like Duke, take it on Clemson who, you know, yeah, we're, we're kind of fired. They're good. fired up on – still, yeah, still Clemson, man. Yeah, I mean – Like it's we're, still – we're down on them, but there's, you know, they're still going to go to a bowl. They're still probably going to win eight, nine games. Like it, it's nothing. They're to just, they're at. just not the Clemson that's always making the playoffs and, and a lock to, to when they succeed. Like yeah. that's what we're saying. Yeah. And then they had an FCS team and then Northwestern and Connecticut. So Notre Dame is more tested by a little bit, right? Like the NC state game and the Ohio state game are, are good. But like we're talking about, you know, slightly better. This is not a Duke team that's like four and zero because they loaded up on cupcakes. Like, you know, they've they've had a major conference game with Clemson. They've played another Power Five team with Northwestern. Northwestern, you know, hasn't been great, but they just took down Minnesota. Like this Duke team's for real. They're killing these teams, right? And I just don't think people really. Are, are realizing that this Duke team is that good. And, you know, they're getting game day. They're going to be fired up for it. People don't want to believe that this Duke team yeah. is really good because Duke's hasn't been really that good <laughs> yeah. besides a little blip with David Cutcliffe there. 
also like hey they were they were good in the 40s um <laughs> they were good under Spurrier. everyone's saying that like no. mike elko should take the michigan state job just stop no just no. stop don't do that like don't you, do that, that. that tells me you haven't thought like for more than like a nanosecond about it whatsoever moving on yeah i mean well michigan state is like i mean that's that's a faster hole i don't know why any up-and-coming coach would want to take that job I really think that they might have to look for kind of a, a retread to see them through a year or two um, in terms of like get them. Sta- they mo- need somebody to get them stabilized is what they need. Yeah. Is there, I mean, I mean ter- they're spiraling down the freaking toilet right now. Yeah. In, in terms of where, where's Mike Elko going to go? I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He might stay his butt hey, right in yeah. right at Duke. Why not? Yeah, he's building he's building something nice at Duke. You, you know, people say, well, oh, he's got those Texas AM ties. He was a defensive coordinator there a few years ago. Like for a few years. It's not like he went to Texas AM. It's not like he's a Texas AM lifer. If anything, you look at you look at his history, he's a Jersey boy who played at Penn, who then got his coaching start at Stony Brook, spent some time at the Merchant Marine. So you think he's going to work at Marines? I'm, I'm, (laughs) he spent some time at Wake. I'm saying he he seems like he might kind of have a little chip on his shoulder. The, he was also at Bowling Green. He was at Bowling Green and Wake. Hmm. Who was he with? Uh, Mr. Clawson, who seems to really enjoy being over there at Wake. Uh, I think there's a better than what people seem to realize chance. People are saying it's like a zero percent chance. They haven't gone. They haven't gone like next week, and it's like I, you I know, maybe maybe he will, time. maybe he will bolt at the end of the season. Well, it, just, if if the right opportunity know. comes, he could, and I wouldn't blame him. But yeah. I just I don't think he's just going to take something just to take something. I think he's got yeah. a good thing going at Duke, also, and I think Duke he, is taking care of him. He, like Josh has said, like and he, certainly not for Michigan State. You could no. He, he could be, you know. Dave Clawson 2.0 right there. You don't have all the pressure every single year. And also, you know, uh, UNC students refer to Duke as the State University of New Jersey to begin with. So, you know, it's it's a perfect match for a Jersey boy to be at Duke. Yeah. Um, so let's move to another program. People are to change Krzyzewskiville to Elkoville. The Elko, uh, Elko Land, Elko City. Elko City. Elkoton? 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 No, Elko City is good. That's Elko a good City. One. Like Elko that. City. Yeah. All right. Uh, USC, Colorado, the buffs were finally exposed last week. They got shellacked by Oregon. Um, Josh, the reason I have this game in here is not because I think that it's going to be like a super competitive game, but A, it's what everyone is talking about, and B, like just <laughs> – are there any reasons to believe that we won't see a repeat again of Colorado, Oregon, just put USC in Oregon's place? Like is Caleb Williams and the Trojans offense just going to like, you know, swamp the field with them. This take brought to you by Charmin Ultrasoft. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, Burn. there's so talking about, you USC. know, I, I was very curious about what Colorado would look like against Oregon. So I watched a lot of that first half and, what it told me was Colorado is improved. They won one game last year. 
So they are improved. But the gap between them and Oregon is gargantuan. And the gap between Oregon and USC, if there is one, is minuscule. So USC is up there at Oregon's level. Oregon has probably a better defense with Caleb Wilson versus Bo Nix. You can make an argument that USC has a better offense, although Oregon looked freaking phenomenal. And I think if there's one play to kind of typify it, it was Oregon running a fake punt at their own 37. Early. Yeah. Zero fear. And, um, you know, an anonymous assistant coach said heading into the Oregon game that like anyone breaking down tape ain't afraid of Colorado. And this is not a reflection on Dion. This is not a reflection on how coach prime built his team through the portal. We were, you know, I don't think any of us were haters. We were just skeptical that it would work. And, you know, I think it's obvious that Colorado is better and more competitive than they were last year. It was too much overhaul. And I, I, I think they lack a lot of beef up front. They have, yeah, they have yeah. no beef. They have no beef, <laughs> and they have no depth. And, and so, like the Wendy's lady, they're Where's they're very the very beef? competitive for a minute. Where, where's the beef? So yeah. I, you know, it, it's it's not a it's not a slight at Dion. I just think we just are starting to realize just how much of an uphill climb this Colorado program is actually in. And, yeah, and, and I think, you know, you look at the TCU-Colorado game, week one always throws weird curveballs at you because you have all camp, you have all offseason to get ready for one opponent. So I, I don't know that so TCU some, is all, yeah. all of what we're, what we're thinking they are. No, I know, but, like, when you have that much time to prepare for one opponent, you can really, you know, punch above your weight. And if you're the favored team and – you're building, breaking in a bunch of new pieces like TCU was, you might be really clunky. I mean, probably the most classic example of this of this was Appalachian State going into the big house and upsetting a top 10 team when they were in the FCS. They had like all off season to figure out what Michigan's going to run. And Lloyd Carr basically was like, well, we're Michigan. We're just going to run Mike Hart three yards in a cloud of dust. And call it a day. And App State was like, well, we got some speed. We're going to use our speed advantage. And it was history. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think yeah. that it's I, – I think the only thing that Colorado might have in its favor this week is the fact that it's at home at altitude in Denver, maybe giving them a little bit. But, yeah, you're right, Coach. I don't think that they have uh, the requisite uh, girth to keep uh to no. uh do anything with usc um speaking of girth, um, but that 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 being said i still think i still think usc is very soft yeah oh well yeah <laughs> but this is not the game to uh uh determine if they are a uh, if they have firmed up at all. Um, let's yeah. head down to the SEC. Lane Kiffin and the Rebs need to bounce back in a big way after a coach, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, they fell very flat against Alabama last week. Uh, coach Tigers have, uh, but the Bayou Bengals, I should say, have really started to click on offense recently. Um, Malik mm-hmm. Neighbors looks outstanding. And I just think that it, it, it's really starting to gel there. So do you see a way that Ole Miss will be able to slow them down or will it be uh, 
two pretty ugly losses in a row for uh, Ole Miss. Look, this this game is these two teams are very bitter rivals. Um, so a lot of conventional wisdom is thrown out in this matchup. Um, I want to see – I'll be interested to see if uh, it was just a really bad Mississippi State team that LSU jumped all over or if they're actually kind of hitting on all cylinders or if it's kind of a combination of they're hitting on all cylinders and took advantage of opportunity of a weak team. Uh, Old Miss, I, I think, was – like I, I think they kind of psyched themselves out a little bit. They decided they weren't going to play in the middle of the field last week against Alabama when Alabama was just bracketing the the sidelines and saying, "Okay, um, sure, if you want to play outside the numbers, we're just going to sit out here and <laughs> and make plays on you all week, all all day." And and uh, Ole Miss actually had control of that game at the start, and then uh, they started kind of Alabama discovered they had a quarterback. Alabama discovered that they have a quarterback and a, and, and, and a few five-star players and said, okay, we're going to play like five-star players now. And uh, they just kind of ran away with it. So um, I don't know, like the jury's still out on Ole Miss. Like this is their chance to kind of, I, I still think they're very talented uh, in a lot of spots. If they used Quinshawn Judkins the way uh, they should and the, the way they have prior to the Alabama game, I think this will be a competitive matchup between two good teams. But if they if they come out like they did last week, which is a weird game plan in of itself, this could be a very, very ugly loss. So it's like which Lane Kiffin's gonna show up? Is it gonna be the super focused one that that wants to bear down and and, and win a meaningful game? Or is this one that's just all he's interested in is is the Twitter spot or the X spotlight uh, or the Instagram spotlight and and just trolling Brian Kelly, like which Lane Kiffin are we going to get? Yeah, I mean the uh, the Bama Ole Miss game. I I, uh, I watched a fair amount of that. There, when it was on, there was a, a little bit of a lull in, in some of the Big Ten stuff, and I was I was like, all right, well, Alabama already lost once at home. What what can Ole Miss do? And I saw Bama's defense just gobble them up. They had five sacks, ten tackles for loss. LSU's as good up front as Alabama is, so that doesn't bode well. And then I, I'm serious. This, this Jalen Milrow kid, I know he really struggled at the start of the year, and then he he sat out. They just in don't that, know how to you uh, like that South Florida Tommy game. Tommy Reese but doesn't know how to use him. I know. I think it. I think it's becoming more of a Tommy Reese thing because that Milrow, that Milrow touchdown pass. If you haven't watched this, this third quarter touchdown pass, he is getting blown up on it he can't hardly step into the throw and just threw it on a rope and it was like holy smokes where were they hiding this kid these first few weeks because um he looked you know i know he's young he's got a lot a lot of to to learn but uh i'm thinking it's more of a reese thing because he looked like he might have it yeah it's got to be like it, it, it absolutely has to be because the, the play calling all of a sudden got a lot better in the second half. Uh, they finally said, "Okay, Milrow, um, I hey, think we hey, discovered." Paul, we got this. We got this Yankee from Indiana calling the plays. They don't know what they're doing. First time, long time. I'll take it off the air, Paul. <laughs> hey, Paul. First time, long time. Alabama. <laughs> they finally discovered the forward pass. They finally figured out that Jalen Miro play quarterback. I'll take a call off there, Paul. 
This is the first time Alabama had a good quarterback. Name one other Alabama quarterback, Nick Saban arrow. We finally have one. Long time, first time. I'll take it off the air, Paul. <sighs> <sighs> Long time caller, first time listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you are a first time listener here, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. It's always weird here at Illegal Motion. Hopefully, if, hopefully you're you're if, if, if you're a long time, though, you know how much we love the Kansas Jayhawks. And we yeah. love having a hey, Go ahead. Well, I got a quick question. We were just doing some impressions. We occasionally like to do impressions. Yeah. Coach, by any chance, can you do a Ryan Day impersonation? <laughs> because we have a uh, a brewing Ryan Day Lou Holtz. Rivalry? Yeah. So, <laughs> so all right. This is are, not tough enough. Ohio State's not tough enough. They're not, they're not tough. They're not very physical up front. He doesn't want to talk about Michigan. <laughs> Where's Lou Holtz? Where's Lou Holtz? I want a word with him. He told us our team wasn't tough. These boys from Ohio, they're tough. You got to work on that. I'm the yeah, one who really should beard. have. You got to grow a beard and then die. Well, I was going to say, I'm the one who should have Keep the Ryan right. Day impersonation as the other, as the only other person who graduated from high school in New Hampshire, a la Ryan Day. <laughs> um. Two yeah, coaches I who, so, who I, I do think not my think Southern voice is going to quite do it. Yeah, two coaches did not come from uh, the state of New Hampshire: Lance Leopold, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Jayhawks that and Longhorns know are facing off in what I think Josh is probably most excited about this weekend in terms of games. Um, I, heard, I heard they're bringing the track back at, at Kansas. Well, it, I mean, that, I mean that, that wouldn't do them very much good considering the games in Austin this weekend. Um, I track, mean, tracks you know. are portable. They're bringing it with. They're loaded it up in the truck. <laughs> Bring it back in the truck. Bevo, Bevo's going to be standing in lane eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> seven, six, five, and four as well. <laughs> he has not a small couch, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's a lane violation. Also, not sure how good he is at handing the baton off. Um, Jayhawks, Longhorns, two of the remaining three undefeated teams in the Big 12, along with that aforementioned Oklahoma team who has played nobody, even though they like Oklahoma statistics are gaudy, but they're uh, the teams they've played are bashful. Um, so they were supposed to play Georgia. Yeah, they and, and they chickened out of that one. So well, no, they no joined, I think the they league joined, told them they can't. The, the league, the league nixed that one. They didn't chicken stupid. out. I, no, it's as stupid. much as I like to pile on Oklahoma. Oh, I, I love piling here, on. here, here. I, I do too. It's one of my favorite pastimes. But this, in this case, I can't because here, here's the deal. Defending uh, the SEC already. I know, right? Um, here's the deal. Like with that one, the, the SEC actually ruined that game for for us um, because the contract had had uh, the second leg of this home and home uh, when they would already be in the conference. So, mm-hmm. Well, then they should have just made this a neutral site game. They couldn't agree. Oh, it's so stupid. Petty. They couldn't agree. It's freaking yeah, petty. It's petty. You know what? It's they couldn't petty. Agree. It's petty. Yep. It's go petty like go ahead and play Central Arkansas again. That's, that's, that's really good. For, we'll, that's really good for everybody. And we'll you know? go play Ball State. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Just, Why not? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done whinging about that. Um, this game should determine though, who, who is in the driver's seat moving forward uh, for the Big 12 alongside of Oklahoma. Josh, uh, you are not only our biggest Kansas guru, but also our number one Texas hater. So <laughs> oh my goodness. tell me why Lance Leipold and them boys will bring out the W in Austin. 
Oh, well, I mean, look no further than Texas's next game. It's the Red River shootout. They're going to be looking past Kansas, little old Kansas. They're getting all excited for the rivalry game, going to the state fair, eating some corn dogs, getting some funnel cake. Deep fried Oreos. Yeah, they're going to lose lose sight of it. Little old Kansas, in in they come. No, in, in all reality, Kansas, you know, they're coming off a really nice season. We think Kansas is going to be improved. Kansas is 4-0. This game means nothing to Kansas's overall trajectory of what they are trying to build there. They can play with house money. Jalen Daniels can just let it rip there for Kansas. And, you know, for Texas's perspective, you know, Texas is cruising. So Texas should win. Texas probably will win. I know I'm the... The, the biggest Texas critic and I love Kansas, but just in terms of like reality of it, you know, Kansas is, uh, is building, they're building something, um, but they're just not quite there yet. And I think you saw that a little bit with their struggles against BYU. Um, Nevada's terrible. Kansas only beat them by seven. Um, Kansas is a solid team. They're going bowling for sure. They, you know, they very well could win every game other than this Texas and Oklahoma game with how some of the big 12 teams have looked. So they're going to have a really special season. I just think Texas has everything clicking. And as much as I, I like to critique them, I mean, we talked about Penix's play. We talked about Cam Ward's play. Quinn yours has been phenomenal as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach, one thing. I, you know, one thing that I like about Kansas in this game, though, obviously you got to keep that Texas offense off the field. How do you do that? You hold on to the ball and you convert your third downs. Kansas, number one in the country, converting more than 60% of their third downs. That's an incredible clip. In, uh, incredible clip. And one I wouldn't of the know. big reasons. Iowa converts one out of nine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Josh doesn't know what third down conversions are um so jalen daniels is a, that speaks to jalen daniels he's a mm-hmm. special player man yep. he just he just gets it done and that that team just figures out ways to just move the ball down the field and it, it's it's gonna be a, a tough test for for texas's defense and everybody's like oh this is a cakewalk no yeah. not not at all not at all in texas texas may win but i think it's like a 16 and a half point spread if i remember correctly yeah it's way too um, high and I think Kansas could definitely cover that. Uh, I don't know about winning outright. I think that's kind of a toss-up. But I, this, this is going to be a better game than a lot of people are going to give credit for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited about this one. I think we're all excited uh, about this one. And so um, we're going to head now. Uh, before we head out, we're each going to have one for the road. Uh, one other thing you're watching for this weekend and for me Gentlemen, it is one of our favorite conferences in all of the land, the Fun Belt. If you are interested in Group of Five football, if you like Sun Belt football, this is an awesome, awesome slate of games this weekend in the Belt. South Alabama, they're two and two, but they dismantled Oklahoma State recently. Um, they we've all thought they're one of the most talented teams in the conference. They are at undefeated James Madison. Uh, James Madison has already beaten uh, preseason favorite Troy and has a win at Virginia as well this year. Not as impressive, obviously, as Virginia is still down, but still a power five win is a power five win. Coastal Carolina in Statesboro for a big game that will determine if the Shauna clears will even be able to contend for another division title because 
they um, are already mm-hmm. two and two, and they lost to Georgia State last weekend. Um, and not only did they lose to Georgia State, they lost to Georgia State at home in Conway. Uh, Georgia State is uh, has scored more than 30 points in every game so far this weekend. They are uh, hosting Troy, the preseason favorite. Another awesome game there. Appalachian State heads to Monroe to play a very frisky uh, Warhawks team. Old Dominion uh, has, you know, a puncher's chance, I think, against Marshall. Marshall is, you know, a, a, a very good squad Marshall, uh, in comparison. Marshall, Marshall. But ODU <laughs> can definitely hang with them. And then don't count out Louisiana, don't, them raging Cajun and them boys um, them in boys. the Twin Cities against a reeling Minnesota squad who is coming off of a – disturbing loss to Northwestern should be an awesome they turtled so badly should be an awesome they, weekend. They punted like four, they punted like four times from the Northwestern 40. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. Should be it a fun week. So conservative. It'll be a fun weekend in the fun belt. Josh, what you got for what you got for the road for us? All right. I got a little history lesson. We're going to, we're going to go back to uh, 2017. Mm. Sam Hunt. Oh Yeah. 2017, fresh off of the state of Alabama and the Tuscaloosa trustees trying to destroy the UAB Blazers. They're back. And they won eight games. They went to a bowl. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. They gave up 40 points three times over the course of the year. Not bad. Not bad for their first year back. All right. Then let's jump to 2018. Coach's favorite year. They Mm -hmm. won 11 games and their bowl game. They won their conference. They gave up 40 points just twice then we jump to 2019 very similar results another bowl nine wins how many times did they give up 40 can i interest you in just one one time giving up 40 points all right 2020 COVID year they went six and three they gave up 40 not not a single time did an opponent hit 40 points huh Josh keeps mentioning 40. There must be a reason for that. 2021, they won nine games again. They upset 13th-ranked BYU in their bowl game. They gave up 40 points just once to coach's dogs. Georgia put 56 on them. And then 2022, just last year, a year ago, they won their bowl game. They went seven and six. They gave up 40 just twice. Once to LSU, pretty good team. And once in double overtime did the opponent get up to 40. All right. That means that this year's coming up. <laughs> so why am I mentioning Well, they gave 40 up 40 points? last week. Yeah. Why am I giving mentioning 40? They are one in three, gentlemen, and in all three losses, they've given up 40 points. Is it already time? to declare Trent Dilfer the worst coaching hire of this season because UAB was not this bad. (laughs) He has taken a team that went to a bowl game every year, but the COVID year, every year they've been going to a bowl game and they seldom give up 40 plus points to their straight dogs. This team's terrible. And you know, Dilfer, no coaching experience. What does it mean? I don't know. I, I yes, he did really the early, Yeah, it's it's really early to bury a guy. Um, but 
first first four games as an impression, not pretty. No, I mean I I obviously I watched the Georgia UAB yeah. game, so um, I got an idea of kind of what Dilfer brought to the table. I mean they they they're not very talented. <laughs> well, and guess what? It's not going to get any easier this week. They've got Tulane this week. They're going to get smoked by Tulane. Just so you know, they're they're not. There's they seem disorganized at times they have a lot of cover they have a lot of busts disorganized is that a reflection on someone never being a coach before i mean yeah dilfer was a high school coach <laughs> okay i'm just saying academy. Th- there have been a couple guys who've who who made the jump from high school coach none of high school to FBS. yeah there was um the the <laughs> The bishop guy who never punts. The, uh, the Bishop Gorman. <laughs> yeah, he was a Presbyterian and re- resigned after like five games. Uh, the Bishop, the guy who was at Bishop Gorman who went to UNLV. Already fired. He, oh, yeah. No, no. He lasted like three seasons and it was terrible. <laughs> the the North Texas guy, yeah. Seth Luttrell. He was there for yep. about two years. Yeah. it's It has not. It has rarely gone well. So, And I can't exactly say I'm surprised that Trent Dilfer is uh mumbling bumbling fumbling stumbling and like not the blazers too. rumbling uh yeah they uh it's, the announcers loved him well of course they did they all love they all love trent delfer okay coach what's your one for the road my one for the road is the deep south's oldest rivalry a game that once had a lot of luster uh still kind of does um but not not really that much this year it's a stretch but um this will be Carson Beck's first true road test in a hostile environment. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how he handles that because this crowd is going to be all over him to start. And he hasn't started fast in any game that he's played so far. So it's going to be interesting when he gets off to a slow start and that crowd gets into a frenzy. What does Carson Beck do? So I want to see that. I want to see if Lad McConkey, he'll probably be limited. Um, but see what he can what he can provide, and of course, it's always fun and exciting watching Brock Bowers. I, I want to get every every bit of uh, watching Brock Bowers play uh, football at the University of Georgia because this is the last season that he will do so because he will be in the NFL next year. Um, and thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.